Welcome back to another episode of Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old letter jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, to the grand history and fantastic stories of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. This week we travel to northeast Nebraska and the Missouri River Valley to Dixon County. You drive straight north of Lincoln on Highway 79 and you'll be in Dixon County in just over two hours. We're going to look at the history of 10 high schools, three of which are still active and have absorbed a couple of the others, and six high schools that have consolidated with schools out of the county, and one school that just closed. Dixon is a smaller Nebraska county at under 500 square miles and ranking 78th of the 93 in territory, but there is plenty of Nebraska high school sports history. We'll start in Concord. Concord is on the western edge of Dixon County, south of U.S. Highway 20, which bisects the county into north and south halves. And until 1959, the Concord High Vikings proudly wore the red and black. They consolidated with Laurel from Cedar County in the fall of 59, and the name Concord disappeared for a while on state scorecards. I'm sure the high school was officially Laurel Concord during that time. But the newspapers and even the NSAA just used Laurel for most the most part until the late 1970s. The fact that, that Laurel's bear mascot and Laurel's colors were transferred to the new consolidated school had to be a part of that choice. In 2014, Coleridge joined that consolidation to form Laurel Concord Coleridge, LCC. Before I get to the golden age of Concord sports, though, a quick shout-out to an athlete from over 100 years ago, Arthur Anderson from Concord, who lettered in football at Nebraska in 1911. I thought that deserved a mention. The golden age, though, of the Concord Vikings is pretty obvious, I think. It is their qualification for state basketball in 1955, the only state tournament they ever played in. They don't appear in any football top tens, and I show no Viking State track medalists, so that basketball tournament is a pretty big deal in Concord. In 1955, Concord basketball defeated the Inman Tigers of Holt County in the regional final to secure a spot in the Class E state bracket. Remember that the late 1950s was a sixth-class era for Nebraska basketball, with AA being the biggest and E being the smallest. The regional final that sent Concord to state was a sudden-death, double-overtime affair, and the Viking hero in that win over Inman was Wiley Irwin, who hit the winning basket and was high man with 27 points for Concord. That's all I need to declare Wiley Irwin as the greatest Concord Viking athlete of all time. Next, we look at the Dixon Fighting Irish. Dixon is just north of Concord on Nebraska Highway 116, on the way to the big road, Highway 20. The Fighting Irish wore green and gray and closed in 1958, probably joining Concord for a year, but maybe heading straight to Laurel. Either way, they are an unnamed part now of the Laurel-Concord-Coleridge district. The Fighting Irish don't show up anywhere on my basketball, football, or track records, not even in the giant one-class 1931 basketball bracket. My best hunch for their greatest team is the 1951 basketball squad. 
the Irish made the final of a 12-team Wayne Class D district that winter. Dixon had a first-round bye before eliminating the Carroll Panthers, 50-35 in the quarterfinals. In the semis, they beat another Wayne County team, Hoskins, 50-39. That was the last win for the Fighting Irish in 1951. Dixon pushed local power Wayne Prep in the district final, but fell 47-41. There was no shame in losing to the Prep Panthers, who would go on to beat Meadow Grove and then upset Euling in the regional to make the Class D state tournament where they beat Primrose before falling to eventual state champion Millard in the semis. Alas, I don't have a box score for any of those Dixon District games in 1951, so even if that is the high point of the school, I have no nominee for all-time fighting Irish GOAT. I felt better when I checked the great Jerry Mathers 1980 history book and found that he didn't list an athlete from either Concord or Dixon. Next up, we'll cross the county on US-20 to the eastern border, right next to Dakota County to find Waterbury, where the purple and gold Waterbury Broncos played until 1961 when they joined the Allen Consolidated District. All of the history of Waterbury that I have is from the basketball court. Nothing in football or track. The Broncos played in six state basketball tournaments starting in 1924. Five of those were all-comers tournaments in a row from 1924 to 1928. Waterbury won first-round games in 1926 over the Exeter Eagles and 1927 over the Lee Panthers. Waterbury did play in that 1931 one-class state basketball elimination They were, of course, smaller than 100 students, so they had to play in the opening district tournaments. They were assigned to Wayne, where the Broncos finished second to Winnebago with wins over Coleridge, Pilger, and Walt Hill. Despite losing to Winnebago, they were still invited to a regional the next week. Again, they were sent to Wayne. There, they beat Wisner 33-20 before losing to West Point High, a team that would win the regional and upset Grand Island State before losing the quarterfinals. Not a shabby performance by the Waterbury Broncos. I think the brightest spot in Waterbury sports history, though, is the sixth state tournament in which they played, 1937. This is the only qualification-era state tournament the Broncos participated in. They defeated the McLean Wildcats in the regional final and had a 19-3 record heading for Lincoln. One of those losses was to Class B qualifier Wayne, and the Broncos split two games with much bigger South Sioux City, making that record even more impressive. This was the three-class era of basketball, which didn't last very long, and Waterbury played in the smallest, Class C. At State, they destroyed the Lebanon Cedars 44-19 in the opener, before falling to Liberty in the quarterfinals in a close 22-20 ball game where a late Bronco rally fell just short. Liberty would capture Class C that year with wins over the Potter Coyotes and Octavia High School. This Liberty we're talking about is the one from the southeast Nebraska community of the same name, not one of those consolidated Liberties from Madison or Sioux County. Another argument for Waterbury as a basketball school is the Broncos hosted several district tournaments in the 1950s, a sign that they had a nicer gym than some others in the area. Back to 1937, though, we do have some candidates there for best athlete. Leon Gifford scored 13 in the big win over Lebanon before being held to three in the loss to Liberty. Delmer Wenzel scored eight in the opener and seven in the quarterfinal. 
I'm tempted to go with the big scorer and the big win and name Leon Gifford as the Waterbury Bronco all-time GOAT. But Jerry Mathers had another candidate for Waterbury's best, Jim Walsh of the class of 1947. He led the Bronco basketball team to the district championship in 1947 before falling in the regional. He averaged 28 points a game and headed to Lincoln after graduation to play for the Cornhuskers. He was one of the few small school players on Wally Prevost's Nebraska Journal All-Class All-State Honorable Mention list in March of 47 and was chosen first team Class D All-State by Greg McBride. I think I'll defer to those experts and choose the 1947 6-foot-4-inch round ball scorer Jim Walsh as the greatest Waterbury Bronco of all time. Heading back to the middle of the county, north of Highway 20 and pretty close to the exact geographical center of the county, is Martinsburg. At some point I am told they were called the Martinsburg Orioles. And that's the end of what I know. Did the school go through the 12th grade or just the 10th grade? What colors did they wear? Did they even compete in athletics? When did they close? I don't know the answers to any of those questions. I know that the Ponca District now reaches Martinburg from the north and that Allen District starts just to the south. Who's the greatest Martinsburg Oriole of all time? I have no idea. Next, we head up to the northwest corner of the county, very near the Vermilion South Dakota Bridge over the Missouri River, and we find Maskell which was once the home of the Maskell Panthers. I know Maskell played in basketball districts in 1953, which was the school's final year, and they didn't do so well. Other than that, Maskell High School is a black box to me. They didn't even play in the giant 1931 basketball bracket. In 1953, Maskell consolidated with its neighbor across the Cedar County line, the Obert Hornets. That was one of the f- that was the first R1 consolidated district in the state of Nebraska, the beginning of what I call the first wave of consolidation. Together, Obert and Maskell took the name Kelbert, combining the endings of both the community names. They wore blue and gold and were called the Wildcats. The schoolhouse was in Obert, so we'll tackle the rest of Kelbert history when we get to Cedar County. As far as a Maskell panther goat, Mathers didn't venture a pick and neither can I. To get to Newcastle, we'll follow the Missouri River to the east on Nebraska Highway 12, which is also known as the Outlaw Trail Highway. Cool name. The Raiders wore red and white and were open for business until 2014. That fall, they consolidated with Hardington in Cedar County and kept Hardington's wildcat nickname and purple color scheme. In Newcastle, we find our first Dixon County state titles, the Raiders, who actually may have been called the Knights at some point way back in their history, have a football ratings era title, two girls basketball trophies, and a girls track championship. The football championship was the school's first. All-state back Monty Miller led the 1967 Raiders to an 8-0 record, the only unblemished state slate in school history, and a consensus Class D 11-man ratings title. Miller becomes our first Newcastle GOAT candidate. But he's not the only Miller to be considered. Eight years later, Scott Miller, class of 75, was an all-state defensive end and kicker for the Raiders. He was one of Mather's picks uh, for greatest athlete in his 1980 book. The other was a football-basketball standout from 1951, Don Kroger, 
He was honorable mention All-State in both sports when the Raiders were playing Class C basketball and six-man football. I did some looking, and he was kind of a big scorer on the basketball court, and if there's one thing Mathers always liked was a big scorer on the basketball court. I should also mention in here Gerald Ellison, who lettered in football at Nebraska in 1943. Boys basketball from Newcastle doesn't have a state title, but they have a Class C2 runner-up finish in 1986. 6'4 senior Scott Kneifel was All-State that year. Six years later, in 1992, the Raiders played in the D1 semifinals, where they lost to eventual champ Humphrey St. Francis after beating the Polk Cordville Wildcats in the opener. The boys' track team's best finish at state was a fourth-place Class D uh, finish in 1968. Bart Kneifel scored all the Raider points as he medaled in the high hurdles and long jump. So that's two Millers and two Kneifels so far. Boys' track claimed a fifth place in Class D in 2007, led by Benton Rolfs, who was the 200-meter dash state champion and anchored the 400-meter relay team to a medal. By the way, Peter Kneifel was on that relay team. That's a third one. The story of the last 20 years of Newcastle High School, though, was chiefly on the girls' side of the ledger. Girls' basketball captured the D2 state championship in 1994 with a win over the Thedford Trojans and again in 2006 with a win over the Shickley Longhorns. Girls' track added a Class D championship in 2007 after winning a runner-up trophy in 1997. Mandy Thomas was the star of that 1994 basketball team, receiving All-State honors in both 93 and 94, leading the team to state both years. She was also All-State volleyball as a senior and played in the volleyball state tourney twice. The 2006 state basketball champs were led by three-time All-State choice Heather Hins. That championship run was the fourth straight year that Hins and the Raiders played at state, reaching the semis the other three years. Hins was also a two-time All-Stater in volleyball, as the Raiders played in the semifinals of that tournament twice. The 2007 track champions were led by Paige Pollard, who won the 300-meter hurdles and the 400-meter dash titles. Pollard was also All-State basketball. I think we find the real story on the 1997 track runners-up, though. Tanya Kneifel, there's that name again, won the high jump, the triple jump, the long jump, and the 100-meter hurdles, setting state records in both the horizontal jumps to go with a high jump record that she had set as a freshman. Kneifel's triple jump mark is still the state and state meet record over 20 years later. She was a two-time All-State basketball player, averaging over 26 points and 9 rebounds a game in those years. Add to that an All-State volleyball award as a senior, and I think we have our all-time Newcastle Raider goat, Tanya Kneifel. If you make me make a pick from the boys' side, I think I'll break with Mathers and take the star of the 1967 football state champs, Monty Miller. Clear in the southeast corner of the county sits the town of Emerson, a town with three high schools in its history. Only one of the three will make this episode, but we'll explain that later. First, let's talk about the only private school I've found in the history of prep sports in Dixon County, Emerson Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart was open as a high school by about 1930 and playing basketball that decade. I don't have a nickname or colors for Sacred Heart, which is kind of weird because they survived well into the nickname era, but I think I have a handle on their greatest team and athlete. 
14 years before the school closed in 1967, excuse me, 14 years before the school closed in 1971, they made a postseason basketball run. Sacred Heart opened 1957 with 10 wins in 12 games and made the state rankings in Class E. Remember, this is the AA to E 6th class era basketball again. The star in Emerson was a high scorer, Larry Welsh. Welsh had led Sacred Heart to the regional playoffs as a junior, but they had been blown out by the Cody Cowboys. In 57, Welsh upped his game even more. He scored 111 points in three games of the county tournament, drawing statewide notice. Sacred Heart opened the postseason with a 14-4 record that included wins over Ponca, Homer, Emerson High, Newcastle, and the South Sioux City freshman team, which they drilled 87-26. They crossed the county for districts, which were held in Dixon, and continued to light up the scoreboard in the first round, setting what the newspapers of the day thought might be a state postseason record. Welsh scored 52 on his own, as Sacred Heart beat Obert Maskell, that's what the paper called them, they didn't say Kelbert, Sacred Heart beat Obert Maskell 117-20. to Yeah. They handled Concord and Hubbard in the next two rounds, and qualified for the four-team regional playoff for the second straight year. The Hubbard game was a reversal of one of Sacred Heart's regular season losses. Welsh was again written up in the big city papers with 104 points in the district. Sacred Heart headed to Madison for the regional playoffs, hoping to reverse what had happened the year before, and they were matched with Weston out of Saunders County. It was there that Sacred Heart's best chance of ever playing in a state basketball tournament ended. The Bobcats got out early and led Sacred Heart 41-29 to at halftime. Welsh led a fierce comeback, but fell two points short as Sacred Heart lost 65-63. Weston easily won the regional final the next day and represented the era, area in the four-team Class E state tournament. Still, Larry Welsh goes down as the greatest Emerson Sacred Heart athlete of all time. We head back to the middle of the county, just south of US-20, and find Allen, home of the Blue and Gold Eagles even today. Allen has been a small Class C or Class D team for the entire history of Nebraska classification, but one can make a, a case that its greatest team competed in Class B. In 1975 in Nebraska, baseball was a two-class affair. But several small schools, especially in northeast Nebraska near Dixon County, were still competing, so they had to be in Class B. Allen, in 1975, qualified for state with a district championship and then upset much bigger Lincoln Pius X in the semifinals of the four-team single elimination bracket. Pius entered the game with an 8-7 record, compiled against a schedule that included all the Class A Lincoln schools and Papillion. Allen was 10-1, but they hadn't been playing schools like that. Pius jumped to an early 2-0 lead, but Allen scored six runs in the fifth to take control. Starting pitcher Paul Schneider went 2-for-3 from the plate and knocked in one run. Left fielder Steve Osbar also had two hits, and he produced two runs for the Eagles. Snyder and reliever Jeff Creamer both worked on the mound in the final innings, replacing each other at times, and held off a pious rally to secure a 6-5 win. Allen lost Omaha Paul VI later in the afternoon and took home the Class B runner-up trophy, but that could be an Allen High School high point.
Eagle football has been best in recent years, qualifying for the state playoffs eight times in the last 17 years. The 2003 team may have been the best. They finished in the top 10 after advancing to the quarterfinals of the eight-man two playoffs with wins over the Dodge Pirates and the Why Not Blue Devils. It was the school's first top 10 finish ever, and it was their first time in the playoffs. The 2008 team equaled those achievements with playoff wins over Coleridge and the Sterling Jets. They lost to Elgin in the quarterfinals. Allen's football All-Staters, though, come from much further back in its history. Ray Miller was a third-team All-Nebraska uh, choice in 1934 on one of Greg McBride's first-ever All-State teams. Two years later, in 1936, Glee Lockswood was picked for the All-Nebraska fifth team. In the playoff era, lineman Ken Hohenstein was picked All-State in Class C2 in 1979. Mather's pick for Allen's best athlete was Lauren Reuter from 1971, who was a three-year football letterman as a halfback and a big scorer on the basketball court. I've told you, if there's anything I know about Mathers, it's that he loves basketball guys who put up big scoring numbers. The best challenger to the 1975 baseball team for best ever honors might be the 1962 Class C state track runners-up. At state, those Eagles were a one-man team. Larry Schlines won the 180-yard low hurdles and medaled in the high hurdles, the pole vault, and the high jump. Another great Allen track team was the 1987 crew, which was led by Jayoti Quankin who won the 300 hurdles in both 86 and 87 and finished second in the high hurdles as a senior. They finished sixth in Class D. Last year's 2009 track team deserves mention for its top five finish in Class D. The Eagles were led by Noah Carr in the sprints and three relay teams that collected medals. Allen's best basketball team is probably the 2004 team that took the Eagles back to state for the first time since 1921. They beat the Bruning Davenport Storm in the opener before falling to the Loomis Wolves in the semis. The Eagles have been to girls' state basketball five times, but are still looking for their first tournament win. One could say that girls' basketball history at Allen is a family affair. They had three All-Staters in the first decade of the sport. Carrie Irwin in 1976, Lori Irwin in 1977, and Lisa Irwin in 1981. Alicia Stewart broke the pattern by claiming an All-State honor in 2004. Lori Irwin was the highest scoring of the Eagle round ballers and of the sisters, averaging, well, I assume they're sisters, averaging 23 points a game as a senior. She was also a star on the track. She finished second in the Class D mile in both 1976 and 1977. In 77, she had another second-place finish in the half mile. Allen Volleyball has been the most successful girls program, playing in the D2 semis in both 1999 and 2003. They've had a string of All-Staters, Michelle Harder in 83, Stacy Martinson in 99, Angela Prohaska in 2001, Kelly Rusted in 2003, and Brittany Sullivan in 2012. Kelly Rastid also excelled on the track, finishing fourth in the 400 meters at state in both 03 and 04. The big star of that 2004 track team was sophomore Erin Keiches, who won the 3200 meters and medaled in the mile. 
She won state medals all four years of high school, totaling eight individual medals in her career and taking home state titles in the 3200 and 1600 in 2005. It's a tough call for best athlete, but I think I'm going to go with the state track champions, Aaron Keiches of 2005 on the girls' side and Larry Schlein's from 1962 on the boys as Allen High Eagles' greatest athletes of all time. Northeast again to the northeast corner of Dixon County, which is kind of a notch that sticks out and contains Ponca. I assume that this notch was part of the split with Dakota County to the east, of which Dixon was originally just a part. The notch allowed Dixon County to have its county seat, Ponca. The greatest era of Ponca athletic history seems to be in progress right now. Since the turn of the century in 2000, the Blue and White has won three Class C2 state basketball titles, one C2 football championship, and a co-op Class B cross-country trophy with South Sioux City. Add in a boys basketball runner-up in 2000 and a girls basketball uh, runner-up finishes in 93 and 2020, and it's easy to call this the golden era of Ponca sports. The recent boys basketball run brings us two nominees for best athlete, and I kind of assume they're brothers. Logan Kingsbury was back-to-back All-State on two state championship teams in 17 and 18. Carter Kingsbury matched those All-State honors in 19 and 20. Quick note, lots of family names running through the Ponker history. Jim Kingsbury was All-State on the 1962 Ponka football team that we'll discuss in just a minute. The 2007 state basketball champs also featured two All-Staters. Jason Jones was honored in 07 and Brent Smith followed in 2008. The 2000 runner-up team, though, may have the strongest candidate for best athlete, J.D. Roberts. Roberts was two-time basketball All-State, including as a senior on that 2000 team. He was also an All-State offensive lineman in 99 and won five shot put and discus medals over three state track meets. The 2009 C2 state football champions, who beat neighboring Hardington Cedar Catholic 14-13 in an overtime thriller in Memorial Stadium, were led by four All-Staters, Jared Curry, Josh Watchhorn, Ben Gehring, and Andrew Watchhorn. Curry may be the best athlete for our purpose. He medaled at state all four years in the high jump, bringing home championships in 2009 and 2010. But I should note that Josh Watchhorn also excelled in multiple sports, winning the Class C2C's 215-pound bracket at state wrestling in 2010. Uh, He was the first Dixon County state wrestling champ in 36 years. Curry also seems to have some family connections in Ponca history. Keith Curry was an All-State defensive end in 1982. Bob Curry was All-State football in 1974 and sprinted to a couple Class D track medals in 1975. And Roger Curry was an All-State center way back in 1954. That 54 team was the third unbeaten football team in Ponca history at 7-0. They were also the third unbeaten Ponca team to be snubbed in the state ratings. Ponca was 10-0 in 1928 and 8-0 in 1930, but got no love for Mr. McBride. I assume that's a case of a Class C school having a lot of area Class D teams on its schedule. That situation likely remained in 1958 when Ponca was 8-0, but at least that team snuck in at number 10 at the end of the year. Four years later, Ponca finally got some statewide football 
respect. That team went 8-0, led by consensus All-State center Jim Fox, and was rated fourth by both newspapers. That was the last unbeaten Ponca football squad until that 2009 bunch went 13-0. There were some great football players in that gap, though. Two Husker football lettermen deserve recognition. Justin Blatchford was All-State in 2007 and then lettered four times for Nebraska. Gerald Armstrong was overlooked for All-State football in high school, but he won the 1989 Class C discus and medaled that year in the long jump before starting at tight end for Nebraska, including a string of six straight touchdowns on his first six career catches. The walk-on earned a scholarship early in his career and started for the 1993 Huskers, who were robbed of an undefeated season and a national title in the Orange Bowl against Florida State. Other Ponca track and field stars include Brian Wellenstein, who won the 487, Blaine Bars, who won the triple jump in 90, Tom Nelson, who won the 1995 800-meter run, and six other career state track medals, and Derek Turney, who won the 800 in 2016. On the girls' side, Amy Armstrong, 1987, Nikki Keller, 1993, and Casey Day from 2020 have all earned All-State basketball honors. Elizabeth Watchhorn, <laughs> there's another repeated name, reigns as the top volleyball star as a consensus All-Stater in 2016. Overall, I think it's tough to choose between Gerald Armstrong's great Husker career and J.D. Roberts' three-sport excellence. I think I will declare them co-goats of Ponca High School. Our last stop in Dixon County is on the southern edge where we find perhaps the area's most impressive trophy case. The Wakefield Trojans boast eight state championships stretching from 1921 into the 2000s. The first maroon and white championships were on the basketball floor. Wakefield won the Class G G for Gangster, championship in 1921 with a win over the short-lived Franklin Academy. But the Trojans' most oppressive win in that era had long appeared to be the first round of the 1920 tournament where they defeated Creighton Prep 15-11 on a couple overtime baskets by lads named Collins and Heinrichs. Except they didn't. The NSAA online data and even Jerry Mather's 1980 state prep history book are wrong. That was Creighton High, not Creighton Prep. It makes more sense since this was a Class F game. In digging up the truth, I found that part of the problem was that the World Herald in that era called Prep Creighton High School. But enough about games that Wakefield didn't play. The greatest decade of Wakefield basketball was the 1940s. As a junior, two-time All-Stater Don Erickson led the Trojans to the 1944 Class C state title with a championship win over the Culbertson Bears. As a senior, Erickson powered Wakefield back to the state semis. Three years later, in 1948, it was Bob Erickson uh, having an All-State season as Wakefield beat Waverly for the Class C state championship. Bob Erickson, who was also an All-Stater, would go on to be a legend at Crete's Doan College. He starred in football and basketball for the Tigers and then returned in 1962 to coach basketball. 
He won 589 games in 37 years on the Doan bench. He was also athletic director from 1972 to 1998 and oversaw an amazing expansion of the athletic program. The next fall, Wakefield struck gold on the gridiron. All-state running back Bill Anderson led the Trojans to a split Class C ratings title. Wakefield got the Lincoln Papers nod, while Greg McBride picked Grant for the World Herald. The Trojans won eight straight and shut out four opponents after tying big school South Sioux City in the season opener. Anderson was All-State basketball that winter. In 1949, Wakefield recorded its first unbeaten and untied pigskin season since 1936. The Trojans were ranked number four in both the big city ratings, behind consensus champion Chapel. Center Larry McQuiston led the charge and made the All-State team. The 1936 team star had been halfback Eldon Nuremberger. Wakefield also boasted a couple Nebraska football lettermen from the program's early days, highlighted by Clarence Swanson, who was all-conference and all-America for the Cornhuskers. Swanson graduated from Wakefield in 1917 and is a a member of both the Nebraska football and the Nebraska high school sports halls of fame. Each year, the university gives out an award in his name for outstanding contributions to the University of Nebraska and the Husker Athletic Department through personal service, personal support of the athletic department programs, and dedication to the Husker football program and interscholastic athletics. In 1955, Wakefield found success on the track as Gene Carlson won the Class C 100-yard dash and medaled in the low hurdles and the long jump. His points carried the Trojans to a shared state championship with Hay Springs. In 1964, the Trojans just missed out on a state football title. Their only loss to Windsor cost them both that mythical crown and a chance at the Husker Conference Championship. All-state back Dan Fisher led the way. Wakefield had a win over Class B-rated West Point Central Catholic and finished number two in both papers ahead of an undefeated Grant team. In 1973, Kirk Gardner won his second straight Class C 115-pound, 155-pound state wrestling title. David Rouse in 73 and Steve Sorensen in 74 are the Trojans' other wrestling champs. In 1978, Wakefield advanced to the Class B State Baseball Final before falling to Omaha Paul VI. Two years later, though, in 1980, they completed a 13-0 state championship season by beating Omaha Bishop Ryan 4-3 for the Class B State Baseball Championship. It took a three-run rally in the last inning and a walk-off walk to earn the Trojans the title. Pitcher Rick Guy was the hero, winning his eighth game of the year and crossing the plate with the winning run. Guy was a four-year starter for Wakefield. On the girls' side, the most accomplished athlete might be class of 2014's Lauren Lemkel, who was a two-time All-Stater in both volleyball and basketball. Or maybe it's Teresa Stelling, who set the 1,600-meter run record at the 1985 state track meet, a record that stood for 30 years. She won the mile and two-mile in both 87 and 88. 
Wakefield brought home the 2005 C2 Boys Basketball Runner-Up Trophy after losing to an undefeated Ravana team, but it was Trojan football that dominated in the mid-aughts, claiming the 2006 and 2007 C2 state titles, beating Blue Hill both times in Memorial Stadium. The 2006 run was keyed by a 28-7 win over grid power power howls in the semifinals. Quarterback Joel Nixon was All-State both seasons. Nixon earned three state track championships, running legs on the Trojans' dominant 3,200-meter relay teams. He also medaled individually twice in the 400. One of those years was 2008, when Wakefield tied for second in Class C track. Nixon is a strong candidate for Wakefield's greatest athlete ever, especially if you're looking for multi-sport excellence. Bill Anderson from 1949 would fit that bill, too, as the school's only two-sport All-Stater on the boys' side. 1948's Bob Erickson might get the call if you wanted a lasting sports legacy. But I'll think, I think I'll do what Jerry Mathers did and go with the Cornusker All-American, the class of 1917's Clarence Swanson, as the greatest Wakefield Trojan of all time. That wraps up Dixon County. When I first started this, I expected to cover a couple more schools, and you may be sitting there talking to your earbuds saying, hey, you did Emerson Sacred Heart, what about Emerson High and Emerson Hubbard? Well, they were on my list. Then I took a close look at the map, and Emerson is right on the county line. In fact, it's on two county lines. Emerson sits where Dixon County meets Dakota County on the east and Thurston County on the south. And when I zoomed in on the trusty Google, I can see that Emerson Hubbard High School is in the south part of town. In other words, it belongs in the Thurston County episode. I could also see, though, that Sacred Heart Church is in the northwest part of town. That's Dixon County, so they made this episode. Now, where was pre-consolidation Emerson High? I don't know. I guess I kind of hope someone's going to tell me it's in the northeast part of town, which would be Dakota County, but we'll have to wait and see on that. And that's a wrap for this week's uh, Suiting Up Varsity Talks About Maps. (laughs) Until next time, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at SuitUpVarsity, or check out our webpage at SuitingUpVarsity.com. You can use either of those to let me know what you think about my picks for the best Dixie County athletes. Who'd I forget? Uh, But remember, be nice. (laughs) And if you know what part of town Old Emerson High was in, let me know that too. We hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you like this podcast, take time to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you find your podcasts. It helps others to find our show. Or share one of our episodes on Twitter or Facebook or other social media. A couple people did that that this week and really uh, brought some new listeners into the show. Help other Nebraska sports fans to find our podcast. This has been Suiting Up Varsity, Episode 31, written and produced by me, Greg Mays, technical and research assistance by Tate Mays and Trent Mays, my brothers, helpful audio advice and encouragement from Chris Shukai, and as always, dedicated to Jerry Mathers, the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast. Suiting Up Varsity is the anchor show of the Nebraska Varsity Network. Copyright 2020.